now, without further ado, I get to introduce one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, so this person has been literally a mentor to me for the past uh, 16 years. So Shalise has been a mentor to me since I was 12 years old when I was helping her plan her wedding. And it was a blast. And so much of my identity and my purpose and who, I, who I'm created to be, even me being up here today, was cultivated by Shalise, by the prophetic in her, by who God has made her to be, by what, just what she walks in. Um, and it is absolutely inspiring. I have seen her get way crazier. Like she went from crazy to like super polished to like crazy again and it's awesome but it's like the best version of crazy so you guys are gonna love it today so buckle up get in get ready in your seat for a ride today Shalise is just gifted get ready to receive and to be touched by God through her so let's welcome Shalise yay I'm out of the cave saying I really have not traveled in ministry since the last time I was here. I really do feel like I have been in a cave and part of that's been me and part of that has been me. Um, God has not wanted me in a cave but I've been in a cave and I have come out of my cave today. I'm not Batman. But I have come out of my cave today, number one, because of the theme that you guys have right now, which is called Be Fruitful. And everything that I've been really doing in my cave is about dying to my desires. I have a lot of personality. So it is not a... It's a slow, painful death. (laughs) It's a slow, painful death. And I I loved, first of all, I'm so excited, Phil, that you are here. And I'm so excited that you look the way that you look. I'm just saying, I am so excited because you don't look like, you know, Minister Phil. And I love that because the world is so ready for you. You know, you as you and the church as them and authenticity and and all of that. So I'm just, I mean, that was just, I'm literally, like my spirit is leaping inside about the fruitfulness that is about to be released through this incredible body. Um, But anyway, why am I sharing this, Lord? Like, I I never know what I'm going to say until I get up here and I get the mic. And then I always think, I'm saying the stupidest stuff right now. So why am I even saying this? So let me pray so I can make sure that I'm on God's agenda because I know he loves me just to be totally dorky. I don't know why. So, Father, I just yield my body completely. I just yield my body completely. This is your body. These are your hands. These are your eyes and your nose and your teeth and your tongue and your ears and your hair and your toenails. God, this is all you. I have actually been purchased with your blood. Like your blood bought my body. And I just do not belong to me. And I am learning how to get comfortable with that at a whole new level. And I thank you that you brought me out of hiding today (laughs) because you are getting me uncomfortable over and over and over and over and over and over again. And even the testimony that Phil shared was about getting uncomfortable and getting out of our comfort zone so that we can be used as your actual body. 
And I thank you that every single person here today is in the same condition I'm in. I thank you that there's not a single person that owns themselves here. I thank you that their life is not their own, that they have been bought with a price, and that, God, you are getting them off every agenda except yours. And it's glorious, but sometimes it feels like death. It's a crucifixion in our minds because we're already crucified. And so, Lord, I just release a complete undoing today, a complete undoing of anything that is not your doing. I just say that again. I release a complete undoing of anything that is not your doing. And I come into agreement with what you are doing in every single person. You're doing something right now in every single person because there's something you want to do through every single person. Because fruitfulness is like your middle name. And so we're just saying yes to doing it doing it however you need to do it, we're going to lose control. Let's all say it together. We're going to lose. I'm going to lose control. I'm going to lose control. I'm going to actually lose control. I am actually going to lose control in Jesus' name. Do not blame me for that prayer. I am... My name is Shalise, and I'm a recovering control freak. I'm going to say it again. My name is Shalise, and I'm a recovering control freak. Uh, and guess what? So are all of us. This is Recovering Control Freaks Anonymous today, all right? Because the kingdom really is about losing control. You know what? The, the life in the spirit is about losing control. It's about not understanding it not knowing what's next. It's about a complete surrender to every agenda that you didn't even know you had. Amen? Um, so let me go to a scripture because we're in church and that's what we do. <laughs> but no, it's also because it's a good idea. <laughs> but I want to go to the scripture that we're all hopefully on because we're teaching about fruitfulness from John 15. And what's so cool about this is this is exactly the scripture that God has been speaking to me for like the prophetic word for the year, actually for two years. And this year's word, which you guys can go on Chalice.com and look for it, and then it actually will link from this year's word to the word for 2019. And I'm a ter apparently not a very good prophet because I'm still on the same word from 2019. I didn't get a new word. What kind of prophet doesn't get a new word for a new year? Like, I mean, who's not, I mean, I must not be tuned in or something. Um, but the reason I didn't get a new word is because he wasn't finished with the old word. I'm just saying, you know, we are inundated with so much good teaching <laughs> and so much good preaching that we actually think that we are being transformed. But information doesn't transform us. A person transforms us. I'm not even going to say revelation transforms us, which is what that normally phrase, how that phrase goes. Because revelation comes from a person. It's a spirit of revelation, and the Holy Spirit is a person, and he is the transformer. 
It is a person that we are following. We are following a person. We're not following principles. It's not a 10-step you know, program to grow your church. Amen? We are following a person. And that person, by the way, lives in us. So we're not following some up in heaven. I mean, we're, they're in heaven, but guess what? So are you. You're seated in him in heaven right now. There is no separation between you and the person that you're following ever. Now, I'm, I'm going to read the scripture, and then we're going to keep going. But in John 15, verse 1, I'm reading in the Passion Translation because it's just beautiful. It says, I am a true sprouting vine. This is Jesus. And I want you to let these scriptures, when I read them, I want you to use your imagination. You know, whenever you read a book, what makes a really good book a good book is that you get transported into the story, right? You read it, and it's a really good author that gives you a lot of descriptions, so you're able to kind of go there. And this is a beautiful imagery that Jesus is using that I think it's really worth using your imagination. It says, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Now, I want you to think about this as kind of like a, have you ever been to like a winery or a grapevine place where, you know, the vines are just usually as far as you can see, right? And they're propped up on these, you know, usually some wires or a special growing, um, you know, apparatus so that the vines don't fall down, right? It's because when, you, when you're growing those vines, you want them propped up so that they can be fruitful. And then the vine dresser or the farmer goes through and gets, you know, he's constantly tending this thing so that it goes along the designated growth path, okay? And so there is a designated growth path for all of us. And the father is in charge of making sure that the vine is growing according to uh, maximum fruitfulness, Okay, that's his, that's his goal, maximum fruitfulness, right? And then he says, in verse 3, Jesus says, the words that I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. Now, earlier, the scripture says that the father cares for the branches by lifting and propping up the fruitless ones. Okay, and then he prunes those that are fruitful so they'll even yield a greater harvest. And here he tells you how we get pruned. Because a lot of times I think when people teach out of this, they're like, oh, I'm getting pruned. You know, like it's some painful process that God is taking you through. When it's actually just his words. He's speaking to you personally. He's personally speaking to you and that his conversation with you is actually pruning you. So it's an intimate relationship with Jesus that is actually causing you to be more fruitful. You're, it's a relational deal. Right this isn't some kind of impersonal farmer that comes along and snap, you know, chops your arm off. No, this is very, very intimate. It's as intimate as sitting down at Starbucks or going to have coffee with your very, very best friend. 
And oh, by the way, this best friend knows everything about you. A best friend is not even a good analogy, actually, because this friend actually lives inside of you and knows your thoughts before you think them, knows your words before you speak them, knows every motive, knows why you act the way you act, knows why you feel the way you feel, and actually knows the motives and intents of your actual heart. So this is a conversation that is like no other conversation you can have with another person on the planet unless they actually are being led by the Holy Spirit. And when you're talking to them, you're not talking to them. Okay, this is the most intimate conversation. And it is the safest space that you will ever be. Because Jesus is completely non-judgmental. How do I know that? Because... It also says that in the Bible. Uh, let me find it, and I'm just going to read it really quickly. It's 1 John 4, I believe 18. They asked me, are you going to go to scriptures that you know? I'm like, I wish I knew. I have no idea where we're going, but Jesus does, so just we'll do our best to go there. I'm going to read it in the amplified version because I love the way it amplifies it, if it will work. There we go. Um, it's so beautiful. It says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. Because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. All right, now why am I saying he's non-judgmental? See, judgment, the, the reason that judgment is scary, it's not the actual judgment that's scary. It's the I'm going to get in trouble part that's scary, right? So if God comes down here and tells me X, Y, and Z about me that's not right or wrong, then he's going to be upset with me. He's going to be upset with me. He's going to be mad at me, and he's going to prune me. But that's not the way it works, <laughs> There is no fear. In fact, the pruning is all about getting rid of fear. The pruning is about getting rid of anything that doesn't feel, taste, sound, tangibly manifest perfect love. Because you are being conformed into the image of perfect love, of Christ himself. Perfect love is your destiny. Perfect love is your, so what's getting pruned? Anything that doesn't conform to perfect love. Anything whose very presence doesn't cast out fear. The presence of perfect, fear cannot exist in the presence of perfect love. It's like darkness in the presence of light. It cannot exist. So God is pruning every ounce of fear off of us. So these conversations are the most glorious conversations. They are the most comforting conversations. They are the most, um, I don't know how to explain it. It, it. You know this because you've had one. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It's just the most incredible thing to be conformed to perfect love. And then I'm going to go back over here now to my scripture from John 15. Because it's important that you know the work of God in your life. 
the work of God in your life is, and when I say you're losing control, let me say this clearly. <laughs> it's not because God is a control freak, and now he wants control. Losing control is all about freedom. Losing control is all about freedom. It's not about being controlled by another control freak. Ooh, you better hear me. Right? So, let me get back in here really quick. Let's keep going. In John 15, I brought the stool up here because I thought I might sit, but maybe I will. It says, oh, I'm in the Amplified. Let me go back to the Passion. Sometimes it's easier. What do we do before we preach with our phones? We actually had Bibles. <laughs> what a concept. Okay, it says this. Uh, verse, uh, we'll say this. The words, verse 3 says, the words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. Cleansed you of fear. Can we say it that way? So verse 4. So you must remain in life union with me. For if I, re I remain in life union with you. I'm going to read it again. So you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source... Fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, listen to this promise, you guys, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. Like, I don't even think we believe this. Like, it's like a genie or something. Like, you rub the bottle three times and you get what you want. Like, what? That's that promise. You can ask whatever you want, and it will be done. And the prerequisite, I'm going to say it this way, is union with God. If you know me for half a second, they're like, finally, she's actually preaching her message now. Because I am obsessed I'm literally obsessed. I'm an obsessed, crazed freak about union with God. Union with God is the gospel. Union with God is everything. It's the point. If you don't believe me, go listen to my podcasts. Because I spend all of my time on my podcast preaching the gospel as a relational message about Jesus getting inside of you. <laughs> and totally never leaving you, no matter what you do. He is in you. He is with you. Yes, he's with you, but he's with you in a certain way inside. And as believers, we have been duped into doing Christianity. We've been doing Christianity many, many times instead of being in union with Jesus. And what I love about Phil's testimony as it relates to evangelism is Phil didn't even do the evangelism. His body got possessed by a man named Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus went up and had a conversation with this mom and this daughter. So it's, we are not learning to do evangelism when we are, you know, being fruitful. We are learning how to abide. 
We are learning how to lose control so that Jesus can actually touch the world through us. The Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ in me. I mean, Paul learned how to live like a dead man. He lived like a dead man, meaning Jesus, he was being Jesus, or Jesus was being Paul. And we have not mastered what the word that I gave in 2020 and 2002, 19 was all about. And it's about mastering the one thing. And, you know, we hear sermons and songs about the one thing, and we think it's David wanting to go into the temple and sit and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Or we think the one thing is Mary instead of Martha, where we're going to go sit at the feet of Jesus and learn of Jesus. But that is not what we're mastering. We're not mastering intimacy from the outside in. We are mastering abiding. We are mastering union. We are mastering being used by Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can use your body. And it is not easy in the sense of our entire lives we have learned how to be independent. And if we grew up in church, we've learned how to be good Christians or bad ones. That's more my story. Um, why? Because you can't do it. And at some point, it's exhausting and frustrating trying to be do something that you can't do, which is to please God. And I'm going to tell you, pleasing God is an already accomplished fact. God is eternally pleased with you. And it's not based on what you do and you don't do. It's based on what Jesus accomplished as you. And Jesus accomplished it all. There's nothing left to be done. And so abiding is this awareness. You know, I remember I used to listen to sermons about abiding and didn't know what they meant. Like I didn't literally didn't know how to abide. I, I, I'm like, it was so confusing to me because, you know, I'm tr I wanted to abide. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to do this. But this is, we don't even do this. The doing business, we got to get out of the doing business altogether because this is all about being. This is not about doing. It, we aren't doing any Christian activities. Oh, I know. It's exhausting to try to get your head around this, isn't it? What do you mean we're not doing Christian activities? We're not doing Bible studies. We're not doing Bible reading. We're not doing worship. We're not doing giving. We're not doing evangelism. We're not doing healing the sick. We aren't doing anything. We're crucified. We're dead people. We're zombies, walking dead people. We've got a guy that's, that has taken possession of our bodies and is now wanting to live his life through us. And sometimes we are so, we're so busy doing and we're so tired from all the doing that we're too tired to even abide. We're too tired just to be. And when you just be, well, then you feel guilty because we've been programmed to do, not be. And sometimes being looks like a detox from doing anything. Hence, Shalice goes up to the mountains 
and hides in a little cave. <laughs> because I'm a professional doer. I'm a professional control freak. And there is no fruitfulness in that. Do you know how impossible it is to, to do miracles? Do you know how impossible it is to fulfill the call of God on your life? Do you know how impossible it is to build the church? Do you know how impossible? If you don't, maybe you're just a better beer than me. I am learning how to do nothing. Doesn't mean that I, again, like I'm just going to sit up in the mountains forever. I'm here today. I'm here today not knowing a thing that was going to come out of my mouth before I took the microphone. I'm here today kind of reluctantly, if I'm honest. Not because I don't love you guys. I totally love you guys. But I prefer hiding. You have to have known me for half a second to know what a crazy statement that is. You have to know that I have never been that person. I was always the life of the party, swing from the chandelier, last one to leave, first one to get there, outstay my welcome, and tell you what I thought about it. <laughs> okay, that was me. So for me to just be like, no, I just want to stay home, I don't really, like that, that is very out of character. Hey! Sorry. I'm trying to, con I don't even know what that means. See, that's how out of control I am. Like, what was that, Holy Spirit? No idea. No idea what that is. But, Father, what are you really, really, really trying to get across here? It is way easier than we have been led to believe. It is so easy that actually we are supposed to be like little children. It is so easy to minister to people. It is so easy to be fruitful that we have made it impossible. You know, to, to, and, and I, I don't even know if I'm making sense, Father. Help me. It, it, let me just talk about this. When I said I didn't know what it meant to abide, I do now. I don't always do it. I don't always do it, you know, in any given course of a day. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am endeavoring to do nothing apart from him because it's, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. What we do apart from him is nothing. And let's guess what? Human beings can do things apart from him. So this nothing doesn't mean there's actually nothing. It's called human striving. It's called human effort. And I remember the father said to me one day, he said, you know, you only get in credit in heaven for what I do through you. Like, we're not going to get there and get a bunch of good work awards. Like, come on down. You worked the hardest. Whoa, awesome. Like, that's not what it's going to be. It's going to be like, oh, look at all that burning up in the fire. <laughs> and let me tell you, you could have been famous. You could have had a mega church. You could have been a best-selling author 30 times over. You could have, you know, brought a 20 million people to the Lord. I mean, Jesus said, you did this in my name. You did this in my name. You did this in my name. Away from me. I never knew you. 
And let me tell you, that Greek word in knowing is not a mess. I mean, that's a, that'll, that word will mess with you in the Greek. You know, we think eternal life is living with God forever. It's not. It's all about this Greek word, gnosko. John 17, 3 says, John, uh, Jesus said, and this is eternal life, to know the one true living God and the son who him, he sent. And that knowing, gnosko, knowing, away from me, I never knew you, I never gnoskoed you. That gnosko you is a, it was a Jewish idiom in the day of Jesus for sexual intercourse. This is an intimate knowing that is reserved only for the most intimate relationship in your human existence. An intimate knowing is, let me just say it this way, it's an inside out knowing. And Jesus lives in us and he says, I remain in you. Now remain in me. Remain in me. So Jesus isn't going anywhere. He knows us perfectly. But how well do we know him and how well do we experience him? And this abiding is an experiential thing. It is an awareness. It's a moment by moment awareness because here's the, here's the bottom line of how you abide. You abide right now. How am I abiding? Well, I'm aware that I'm one with Jesus. I'm aware right now that he's wearing my skin. I'm aware right now that my eyes are like flames of fire and my hair is white like wool. Because Revelation chapter 1 says that's what the resurrected Lord Jesus looks like. I'm aware right now that the Holy Spirit is filling every single one of my pores. I am aware right now that I'm oozing the anointing because the risen Jesus Christ is actually inside of me. I am aware right now. I'm abiding right now. Right now I'm abiding again. Wow, let me get over here. I'm going to abide some more. Oh, I'm abiding. I'm abiding. Right? And now I'm going to go ahead and abide over here and give glory, glory joy, just a, a little Jesus hand on her beautiful hair. And I'm going to say, you are the crown on Jesus' head. Because that is what Jesus is saying to her right now. He's also telling her, your heart is gold. It's a golden crown. And honor. A crown signifies honor. And he says, it is my honor to live inside of you. It is my honor to have redeemed you. It is my honor to serve you. It is my honor to know you. I am honored by this woman. She brings me honor, and I, I, I feel like honor is a key identity word for you. Honor. Oh, what a powerful word. What a powerful word to actually be used by God. And you are an expression of Jesus' honor, glory, joy. You are on this planet to be an example of how Jesus washes everybody's feet. There is no one that he has dishonor for. The only dishonor he ever had was the kind that he despised on the cross. Honor. Honor. Now, I did not do that. 
And I don't get to get self-esteem from that. And I don't get to have low self-esteem because I can't do, I haven't learned to do that. Like, this whole concept of self-esteem is not the gospel. In the gospel, yourself has been completely absorbed into a man named Jesus. There is no independent you except the illusion that lives in your mind. We were never meant as human beings to operate independently. We, have been, we are vessels, we are vines, we are temples, meaning we are carriers of something. We are not the source of anything. That is the nature of Satan. Independence is the nature of Satan. And us thinking badly of ourselves because we didn't do it right as some kind of form of humility is actually the nature of, him, of, of the enemy. That is the nature of the enemy to have false humility. Because it has a self that even can be judged. It has a self that can be accused. And that self does, not, does no longer exist in Jesus. And I'll tell you, we have, that's why I'm up in the mountains. Because this is not something you just... I mean, I was successful as an independent person. Yeah. Prophesy. Great. Well, I will share that while I was in worship today, um, it was so strong. I mean, I kind of lost myself there for a moment. I put my hand over my heart, and the heat coming off of my hand into my own heart was so, it was so hot. I was sweating. It was so, so, so hot. And what I was praying for, or what I was speaking, I, I, it was just like, it was like, you know, rapid fire tongues. And it was just for the heart of, of the body of Christ, but the heart here it was for my own heart. It was about this heart surgery that God is doing in this hour on the body of Christ. And this heart surgery is so deep. It's so deep that... You, you, some of you have just kind of felt out of it. If I say, if you've been feeling kind of out of it, raise your hand. When I say out of it, raise, if there's anybody in here that's been feeling out of it, and be honest if that's you, okay? If you haven't been feeling out of it, that's okay. But those of you that have literally been kind of feeling out of it, okay, this is a word for you. All right, and I want you to really connect with that. I have just not been feeling myself. I have just felt out of it. I just haven't been able to do the things I normally do, or am I, am, is that, I'm talking to people? Okay. There is a new operating system that is being installed in your life. And you know, whenever a computer goes through a, an operating system upgrade, they're out of it. I mean, you know, the computer almost looks like it's, you know, it can't function. Why? Because it's such a deep, upgrade to the very ability for that computer to do anything, okay? And so I want, and also the Lord says, you are getting off of the system of doing and into the system of being. And 
the, the, that, that transition from doing to being is uncomfortable, is uncomfortable, okay? Um, every single day, God has an agenda for every single person in this room. Every day when you wake up and your eyes open, God has an agenda for you. He has people that you're going to be, you're going to be crossing their paths. He knows the Starbucks barista that you're going to pull up and, and meet. He knows the, the meetings that you're going to have that day at work. He knows, I know this, this, this is computing um, at an intellectual level, but I want you to recognize that fruitfulness is determined by whether or not his agenda gets accomplished. A fruitful day is when the father's agenda in your life got accomplished. And it requires hearing. It requires each of us hearing. And when I talk about hearing God, I mean a hearing God that you, like you hear your own thoughts. And I do feel, the prophecy to me feels very corporate today. Because I want to tell you, he's intimately involved in your thoughts. And he's not sitting there like, you know, cherry picking them and judging them. He's there to say, I'm, he wants to think with you. He wants to infuse your thoughts with his thoughts. You know, one of the things that we do in my school is we teach people to hear God on demand. Meaning you say, hey, God, and he's like, what's up? Right? What's up now? Uh, just hanging out with you. Now what are you doing? Oh, I'm thinking about you. What are you doing now? Oh, I'm thinking really awesome things about you right now. Do you want me to tell you what I'm thinking? I think you're beautiful, Nancy. That's what he says. Beautiful. Beautiful. You're the actual glimmer in his eye. You're the glimmer. If you ever knew what body part you are on the body of Christ, I'm not kidding. You're the glimmer. You're the glimmer in his eye. You're what makes his eye sparkle. You're the sparkle. It's kind of like a feels like it's not really that necessary to have a sparkle in your eye but for Jesus he wouldn't be Jesus if he didn't have a sparkle in his eye <laughs> it's not extraneous you're not extraneous you're not an afterthought you are what makes his eyes light up the eyes are the windows of Jesus's soul and for his eyes to be his eyes they have to sparkle they have to glimmer they have to have light you're the light you're the light in Jesus' eye. And a revelation of that is why Tudor Bismarck told you to prophesy. Because every time you prophesy, you actually get to know him. For you, prophecy is intimate intimacy with him. You know, just right now, when I'm telling you, I've never heard anybody be the sparkle of Jesus' eye. I have never had anybody, I've never, I'm not, you know, so I, I'm learning like, oh, I didn't even know you had a sparkle. 
wow, that's interesting. You have a sparkle and it's light. Oh, wow, that connects in somehow to like Matthew 6 about if your eye is full of light, then your whole body is full of light. Wow, and that's Nancy? Really? Well, I know Nancy, so explain to me a little bit about how this works. Like I'm getting to know Jesus by getting to know you. I'm getting to know who he is and what he's like because when he created you, he made you to be an expression of who he is. And your union with Jesus is a glorious expression of Jesus Christ. Jesus, is, Jesus wouldn't be complete without a sparkle in his eye. Amen. So there's a corporate piece of that that I just want to say God has thoughts he says his thoughts about you are as numerous as the sand. His thoughts about Nancy are too many thoughts to even count. Like, I don't know how much sand there is in the planet, but it's a lot of thoughts just about Nancy. I mean, what if you just had a book about God's thoughts about you? And what if you just walked around all day thinking about, huh, I wonder what Jesus is thinking about right now as I abide in him. What an interesting day. What an interesting day just to be like, what are you thinking about right now, Jesus? Well, I'm thinking about that bird out there. And I'm, I mean, seriously, that he thinks about things like this. I'm thinking about that bird out there and about how I always bring worms to that little bird. Do you wonder how I do that? Have you ever thought about how I bring worms to that little bird out there? Let me tell you about it. I see everything. I don't just see that bird, but I see every bird on the whole planet. And I'm bringing, bird, I'm bringing worms to all of them. Aren't I amazing? <laughs> I'm telling you, it changes your life. It changes your life. Abiding is the most beautiful, inexplainable, glorious way of being that you will ever be. You will ever be. And guess what? Your destiny will get fulfilled this way. It will totally get fulfilled because Jesus will do it through you. Let me just walk around. Pastor Joe's got me prophesying. Let me just sit here with master. That's what I heard. The master. The master. That is a, um, a name for Jesus, you know. Master. Master. There's an attribute that every single person in here carries uniquely. That is a manifestation of the character of God. Every person in here is designed to manifest the character of God. To be a unique expression of his glory. Because the glory is in the, in the, inside the saints. It's an inheritance of Jesus inside of you. And this is a master right here. He's a master. He's like, in one sense, it's like, I'm, I'm getting kind of the concept of Jesus as the master builder. Right? So that master builder is, is definitely, and I know enough about what you do. I, I'm not just making that up, though. I mean, that really is what Jesus is saying. But there's another part of you that looks like a karate dude that has like the whole, and has like a little on your head like that. And it's, it's like there's no level that describes the level you're, you're at. Like, it's not black belt. Like, black belt's amateur for Jesus. Like, that's black belt. That's what humans can do. But that's not Jesus' karate. You're like, Jesus doesn't do karate? I'm like, well, I, last time I checked, Jesus redeemed it all. Amen. The devil has nothing. That's right. 
He has nothing. He doesn't own karate. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to redeem it all except karate. I'm going to give the devil karate. The devil can keep karate. Like we do not even, we do not fear karate. I don't know, that's for whoever in here is thinking, Jesus doesn't do karate. Well, Jesus took back karate. Jesus did some karate on the devil for, for trying to be, have karate. I'm just saying, that's, that's how radical he is. But Joe here, he's got this, um, and it's a blood spot right here. You know, the Japan has that red thing. But it's a blood right there. And it's funny because it's all your karate. Is, there's no physical movement. There's no physical movement. So I just take you out with a simple, has to do with what you observe. Joe, you are a master of observation and what you observe always manifests. So be careful with that, that ability. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm spitting on him now. <laughs> I'm in good company. Jesus spit. Man got healed of blindness. Hey, 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 hey. This is all about your observation. And I just see that you are totally blinded to everything except what he's doing. And you just observe it, and it is. Master. He's a master. A master. A master. A master. Yeah. So how am I doing this? How did Phil do this? How does he just go over to someone and just start abiding. I'm just like, oh, I'm, Jesus is in me right now. And the only thing you have to get comfortable with is just being uncomfortable. <laughs> right? You just get really uncomfortable for me. You're thinking, oh, I hope this is not the one time it doesn't work. <laughs> I hope this is the one time that Jesus doesn't leave me out here hanging like an idiot, <laughs> you know? But, you know, Rosie, everybody that thinks about your name probably thinks about roses. But with Jesus, it's cheeks. It's rosy cheeks. And it's the, it's the lover's blush. It's the lover's blush. You're the, you, you, you cause him to blush. It's the love. It's like the intimacy that you have is reserved to those that make his heart swoon. You are, you, he, he doesn't, it feels like an intoxicating infatuation. It feels like excitement and butterflies, whoo, and spoiling you and just, you know, making other people kind of nauseous by it because it's so romantic and, but it is such a love story. There is a, a revelation that you carry, Rosie, about being his blushing bride. There you go. His blushing bride. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't even know how to take that much deeper, except 
I see you getting dressed like for a wedding day. And that feeling is like your, I don't even know, it's like the anticipation and the revelation of a new identity that I am getting a new name, that I'm, like, it's this, and, and the thing that's interesting about your wedding day is that I actually get married that day, too. So it's not just before the wedding. It's also after the wedding. It's like that day, the wedding day. There's something about the revelation of wedding day that you carry as it relates to the body of Christ, bride of Christ, about the two becoming one, about just a beautiful picture of that. Huh. I got about three minutes. One of the most beautiful things about abiding is that you actually get to live your life. You get to slow down and actually go to the grocery store. Watch, Lise. Yeah, like the grocery store is glorious. It is actually a glorious place. When I used to be a druggie, we would go to the grocery stores or we would go to 7-Elevens like when we were on drugs. That's so strange. Why? Because the colors are amazing. I know that's funny, but when I stopped doing drugs and I came into the kingdom, Jesus said there was a revelation about that because people hunger for the supernatural. People hunger for the supernatural. And although it's a counterfeit, you know, counterfeits, if you don't know the authentic, having a counterfeit is sometimes better than nothing. I know that sounds not right, but I'm telling you, the point was, is that when you were on drugs, it's like nothing mattered outside of this moment. And you saw things differently than you did when you were not high. And that revelation is a hijack of the authentic. Because when you abide in him, everything is glorious. Colors don't look the same. People don't look the same. Time doesn't happen the same way. Everything changes. You enter into heaven when you abide. You can't worry. Your emotion, there's just a peaceful, it's like your whole, I bet your blood pressure goes down to normal. I mean, I really believe this. I really believe that we just slow down, that we will get way more accomplished and be way more fruitful than we've ever even imagined. I'm going to leave you with this because I feel like this is from the Lord. You know, every single one of you, God is doing something in your life right now. And my coaching students and my eMERGE students, we are always connected to the Father's agenda. What is God doing right now? What is he doing? Of course, I gave a corporate word of 2020, learning to abide. But what is he doing in your life 
not just this year, great that he's doing that this year, but what is he doing right now? For me, my year for 20, my word for 2020 is slow-mo. What a weird word. Honestly, but when I just described going into the 7-Eleven and into the thing and looking at the colors, I was like, oh, so like I'm high? High on you? I'm out of my mind? Oh, that sounds like slow-mo. But what is he doing? What is he doing? When you get a word, yell it out. I'm going to wrap it up. Just yell out your word. I know emergers are in here, so yell out y'all's word. Get it started. Knowledge, action, revelation, I am, love. Let me just say this really quickly. It's better than any prophecy I could give you. You hearing God for yourself and getting on his agenda and letting him do what he wants to do in your life and prune you and cleanse you and Walk you into whatever he's doing. He's doing something. We said it today. He's moving. And when I can't feel him. I know. I'm sorry to make that sarcastic. But my point is he is doing something in everyone's life. If you can't hear him, well, let me tell you the word. Get to a place where you can hear him. Do whatever you need to do this year so that you can hear God on demand for yourself. It is the most important thing that you will ever learn your entire life. Otherwise, you will be doing Christianity until you die and be mad when you get to heaven. Because you did it all wrong. you got to hear him. He's thinking in your thoughts all the time. He wants to talk to you about the birdies. He wants to talk to you about the sparkle in his eye and the rosy on his cheeks and the honor. He wants to talk to you about why you're here and what, you're, what he has for you. And then he wants you to go tell everybody else too. You know how hard evangelism is? It's as hard as thinking. It's as hard as thinking something that isn't your thought. I get amazed at how smart Jesus is. He knows everything about everybody. Last week, I went to a baby shower. I didn't really want to go. Was it a baby shower or a wedding shower? I didn't really want to go because I'm, I'm, like, trying to hide out up in the mountains right now. I don't want to go anywhere except the grocery store. <laughs> it's glorious in there. Anyway, um, so I'm off to this wedding shower, and I am, I am wrapping it up. And I'm thinking, okay, so I don't, you know, what I do when I do that? Oh, not my agenda, Jesus, your agenda. Use my body. Do that whole thing again. Well, I get there. And I meet someone. It wasn't a pickup. Um, I'm married. But I met someone. Her name was June. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my gosh, you're a poet. She was like, yeah. Wow, you really, really are into social justice, too. 
That's an interesting combo. And then I just immediately saw like Mayo Angelou, like a, a, a person who uses poetry to change the world. And I was like, wow. And I just began to tell her like what I was seeing on her. And I mean, she, I mean, never met her before in my life. Like that is how evangelism happens. That is how we, we do this. We become fruitful by just thinking with Jesus. And then having the cojones, can I say that in church? It's been a minute. Um, You know, but I'm saying it to actually open up your mouth. And guess what? If you're wrong, I'm going to leave you with this if you're wrong. Because I'm wrong. I'm not always spot on. But I always know when I'm off that that's going to be a really good day. So if I'm off, I'm like, oh, we're going there today. Meaning if I miss it. I'm like, okay, I miss, I'll, I'll always, always play it off. Like, I'll be like, oh, are, do, you, do you play the flute? And they're like, no. I'm like, oh, I must have you mixed up with someone else. And I'll back away very cautiously. And then I'll come back out and I'll come back at it. But I've missed it like five times in a row before. But when I miss it, I get motivated. Because somebody's messing with my ability to hear God. And I don't let anything mess with my ability to hear God because it's life or death. That's right. It is life or death. So if it's wrong, oh, I'm motivated. I'm like, in Jesus' name. And I will do it until I get it. And when I get it, watch out. Because I have been in zones before once I missed it like that. I, could, I knew everyone in Walmart. I knew everything about them. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the matrix. This is the matrix. Where do we even start? I mean, like, it, you can go into a zone of hearing God that you can't even believe that you are connected like that. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to go because I am over time. Father, thank you that people are going to do this by your grace. They can't even do this message. That, God, it really is just as simple as being in this single moment with you. They don't have to come out of here and make a decision. They're going to make a drastic life change. That, God, they literally just have to be present in their union with you moment by moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. And, Father, if they can't hear your voice on demand, I release breakthrough right now for them to hear. And I declare right now that this is a body This is a house. This is a place where everyone hears. Everyone hears on demand. Everyone, everyone abides. Everyone is fruitful. Everyone knows who they are in Christ. Everyone is a part of your body corporately. They know who they are and what you're doing. They know their part. They know, oh, I'm the pinky right now. Drink some tea. They know they're, they're who they are, the sparkle, the rosy, the honor, the master. And God, I release them into the fullness of the manifestation of the glory of God. I release them into the fullness of the manifestation of the glory of God. That they carry And that is in irreplaceable in the earth. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen.